really, we couldn't really give anything to the Grinch because the Grinch, you know, stole Christmas. Okay, ready, Kiki, Vicky, ready? Are we ready? Are ready, Kiki, Vicky, Kiki, Vicky. Okay, Jalapenos is gonna take our number one. And then Kiki and Rock, we're both giving you a gift card to Santico. See Jaron right after service. Jaron will find you. Give it up for them one more time. Give it up for Trev and the decibel meter. <laughs> well, so fun, man. We are glad that you made it today. And we are Luminous Church. And if you're a guest with us this morning, you probably are checking out already. You may be leaving as I'm speaking. But nonetheless... I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would just come today and that he would speak to us. As we've been in this moment of who needs Christmas, we sang songs as we came into this place this morning to honor and give glory to God. We, we, we praised him through a moment of celebrating these, these sweaters and the joy that's contagious in this place. We're going to continue to have communion and, and do the Lord's Supper this morning and continue in song as well as our candlelight in which Pastor Austin will be leading those in just a moment. So what I want to do before we get into the rest of our service is I want to dive into Matthew chapter one. Now, apparently I shouldn't eat half that kolache this morning because I'm breathing really hard. But Matthew chapter one, verse 18 through 21, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We are all familiar with this verse. If you've been in church, grown up in church, I know we've been teaching our children about this very passage. This is the moment that God became incarnate in flesh, fully God and fully man. Not like a moment in, in the Greek mythology where, where a god and a human would come and there would be a, demi, a demigod, right? No, not, not a demigod, not half god and half man. No, Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he was, he was given by God himself, his son, and here he is with Mary as it's proclaimed. Jesus Christ. Christ, this word that, that we use as Jesus' last name oftentimes, don't we? Sometimes we say it as his last name, but it was actually foretelling of who he was, his very nature, Christ, meaning Messiah, meaning the one who would come to deliver those who were oppressed. And how many of you know that there has been some oppression over the Jews at this time? At this time, the Jews were being oppressed by the Roman government. They were being oppressed for hundreds of years. And it was in this moment when God visits Mary and says that she's going to be with child and then visits Joseph and makes the angelic visits to the shepherds and to the magi and makes himself known that he's coming and here's the arrival of the king. God was silent 
for 400 years before this moment. Before this moment, there was all this oppression in the Jewish community. They were being oppressed. They no longer had their own rule. They were being governed by Herod, the king at that time in the region. There was all this oppression and wickedness and different things taking place. And so when there was this word that that there would be a man named Jesus, which the Hebrew word is Joshua, translated to Joshua, when Joshua was coming, everybody started rejoicing because Joshua, if you recall, has a lot of significance, doesn't he? You see, the significance of Joshua was he was the predecessor to Moses. He was the one to follow Moses, and, and he was leading the people into the promised land. Joshua, this, this warrior, this general, this one who was going to deliver people to the promised land. And here you fast forward to Jesus, the one that we came to celebrate this mo- morning. You find Jesus, and Jesus is named Joshua, Joshua, another deliverer, another warrior, another general, one who would come and deliver us from Rome's rule. So the question is, what what were they looking for this Christmas when when Jesus was coming, when Joshua was coming? What were they looking for? They were looking for deliverance from their oppression. They were looking from, for deliverance from their circumstance. And I asked this question to Luminous this morning. What are you looking for this Christmas? You see, oftentimes when we go to God and we begin to think about Jesus, we're looking for certain things from Christmas or Christ being with us. We're looking forward to um, uh, taking away things that are a burden to us, don't we? Taking away things like like um, acne, you know, any high schoolers in here, you know, taking away like, things like acne. I remember praying about Lord Jesus, take away this acne, take it away. You are my deliverer. Take it away. Clear my face. Maybe maybe you're looking for saving from from covid and the Omicron and and uh, is that how you say Omicron and all these things? Maybe you're looking to to have some pain and some. Some things taken away this Christmas. Maybe you want, you want inflation to be taken away. God, if you are this all-powerful God, this mighty God, the one who comes and can do anything, and you're coming in this situation, maybe you can take this away. Maybe it is singleness. Lord, take away my singleness. Maybe some of you, it's marriage. Lord, take away my marriage. <laughs> Maybe it's, we all have these different questions, different things that we want relief from. And if you heard that somebody was coming to take away relief, to take away the oppression, to take away the things that are burdening you and stressing you and, and, and just, just wipe it out all of a sudden, you would start making a list of the things that you would want alleviated out of your life. You see, this is a lot like what the Jews were looking forward to. They were looking for this burden of the Roman government to be taken away. But what God speaks is he says, I've come to actually take away your sins and to save you. Which was strange because in Jewish society, they already had a means to take away sin. 
for sins to be forgiven. They already had a mean for sins to be forgiven. If they were to sin, they would go and they would make a sacrifice. And the sacrifice would cover the sins that they had. And they would do this ritualistically in order to take away these sins. You see, they had the temple present and they were able to, to come and do this. So it was such a question of, okay, God, why? Why would you take away sins when we already have a solution for that? Take away the Roman government. And in this Christmas season, who needs Christmas? We have this problem that begins to take place. And and the problem that we think it is is not the problem at all oftentimes. You see our situations and our circumstances and the things that we deal with and the struggles and the challenges and, and go waking up and going to school, right, Brielle? And, and doing all those things, those, those challenges that come against us are usually not the problem at all. You see, Christmas is, is not just about forgiveness, for forgiveness was already taken place. There was already a means of forgiveness, so it wasn't just about forgiveness because God was making the ability for you to be forgiven. But the thing that Jesus wanted to do, see, he didn't want to just forgive your sins, but he wanted to save you from your sins. Meaning this, he didn't want just to forgive and give temporary forgiveness for your habitual sins that you've been committing. He actually wanted to bring deliverance from your sin altogether. You see, this is the good news of why we celebrate Christmas, and this is why we need Christmas this morning and Christmas every day, is because we needed to realize that the one who was being born right now, 2,000 years ago, he was the one who wasn't just going to forgive you, but he was going to redeem you. He wasn't just going to blot out sins for a moment he was giving you a way to sin no more see those in christ have the ability to sin no more they have the ability to be saved fully saved and this is what they were speaking to joseph that night as the angel came you are to give him the name jesus jesus Because he will save his people from their sins. Oftentimes at Christmas in church, we go through processes of asking for forgiveness for things that we've already been forgiven for. And you find yourself constantly asking for forgiveness, constantly trying to make something that was wrong right by your church attendance, by your giving, by your service to the food bank, by different means, by playing the guitar. I'm constantly trying to make my wrong right. I got to go serve the Lord because I'm so messed up. I got to go serve him so that I can earn forgiveness and be forgiven. And every religion in the world is trying to do the same exact thing. is trying to make these wrongs right and you're trying to get to this place of perfection but the good news the good news is Jesus didn't come just to forgive sins he came to save you 
to save you, to say there's no matter what you do and all your striving and all the things that you're constantly striving for. That's I understand what you're doing, but I want to tell you, I love you. And I have come to save you and to get you out of this insane cycle of sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent. I'm going to move you into a place of truly being made right. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 through 14. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Sin will not rule you. It will not have a hold on you because you're no no longer under that law, but you're under his grace, his grace that has been given to you. Let's skip ahead to a few verses. In verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Meaning that everybody in here who has sinned deserves death. And there's no earning or striving that will get you out of the death cycle. The only thing that gets you beyond that is the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I have come, Jesus said, to save the lost. To save the lost, to save those who are broken and those who are separated. And I am giving them a gift, not of just forgiveness, but a gift of life. Life. We have life because he was the gift given to us. Now we say this all the time. But oftentimes, a gift given that's never opened is a useless gift, right? A gift given under the Christmas tree or wherever it may be, if it's it's not opened, it's just sitting there and it's useless. But Christ came and said, I am the gift that has come, and he's inviting you to unravel it and to begin to accept him so that your life would be saved. And completely different. John would remind us that life in Christ is abundant life. Abundant life. Life full of him. Full of joy. Full of hope. Full of everything that he is given us. Who needs Christmas? The truth is we all need Christmas. Because we all need a savior. And we all need saving. If you could save yourself, he wouldn't have to come. But because you couldn't, he came. And he lived this perfect life born of a virgin. As Isaiah chapter 7 promises, born of a virgin. And he lived a life that you and I couldn't live. He lived a perfect life for you and me. And then he died the death in our place so we didn't have to die And he rose from the grave, proving that he is the son of God, offering this gift to 
you. Who needs Christmas? We do. For those who are in Christ and have accepted this gift, we're going to do communion in just a moment. It's a time for you to reflect on all that Christ has given you and what he has saved you from. And those who don't know him, I want to invite you to have a relationship with him. The Bible would say, admit that you're a sinner. Believe in your heart that that he is the Christ and confess him as the Lord of your life and you will be saved. This is what he promises you. Church, would you stand with me as I pray for us this morning? Father, I thank you so much. Even Psalm 23, I thank you that you are the one who leads us in a path of righteousness for your name's sake. A prophetic word about the shepherding of Christ over our lives. And so, Lord, we come and we just embrace you in a fresh way this morning. Jesus, renew us. Lord, we need Christmas. We need Christ with us. We didn't need a general who would deliver us from Rome for a temporary relief. We needed somebody who would forgive us from ourselves, from our sin nature, from everything that we've done. And we needed somebody who didn't just forgive us, but that would save us and offer us the life abundantly with you forevermore. So, God, we hold that. We hold it this morning, and we remember you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we transition from from the stable to the table, I think it's appropriate in this moment as we are preparing our hearts for for communion, um, and we're about to celebrate Christmas here in the next week and in the birth of our Savior, as we are reminded that Jesus was born in a manger in a stable. And in Matthew 26, Jesus is seated with his disciples, and he's having uh, a Passover meal, and he's about to share with them what is about to happen as, as he's about to lift his life, give his life in order for us to be saved as he's being crucified. And so what we do here this morning as we're going to take communion, it, what we're really going to do is just remember his death and his life and how he saved us. See, the Lord's Supper is also referred to as the Eucharist, which means to be grateful, to be thankful. And that's what we're going to do in this moment as you are posturing your hearts to take communion, just thinking, as, as Pastor Ben mentioned, you know, what has God done in you and through you this year? These things that's only possible through him. We're going to lift him up and give him gratitude in doing so. So taking communion is just one of the expressions that we do that as we do it corporately here at church. So I'm, I'm going to read through uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. And this is what it says. It says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In this time, you can just partake of the bread.
verse 25, and it says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. At this time you may take of the cup. And lastly, he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray this morning. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your coming. As you came into a major, and we thank you for the Last Supper as we were reminded about what you came to do, the fulfillment, the fulfillment of, of the great exchange, the atonement in which you died for us in order for us to have eternal relationship with you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we elevate you this morning. We praise you this morning because you are good and you are a good and amazing God. And you gave it all so that we will be known by you, Lord. So, God, we love you and praise your holy name. Amen.